dropping the hammer! No, you're not! Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Dropping the Hammer with Daniel McFadden. I am Daniel McFadden, and with me is my good friend, James Crow. Hello, everyone, once again. <laughs> Coming in hot with the energy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you, you need to get yourself an energy drink, just toss back a shot, and then you're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um... We're recording this on Wednesday, March 3rd, uh, and two weeks, two, few days ago, the NASCAR race weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway ended. Uh, we saw wins, uh, first career win by Myatt Snyder in the Xfinity Series on Saturday, which, you know, followed some drama uh, that we can get into. And uh, then on Sunday, uh, we had a win by William Byron uh, for his second career Cup Series win. His first of the year, um, and safe to say, both of those winners were surprise winners. Crow. Yeah, I also saw that this was his first win with his new crew chief. Yeah, Rudy Fugel. The their his first cup win with Rudy Fugel, but him and Rudy uh, were paired in the truck series together, Cobbush Motorsports. So they won quite a bit there. Fugel is Byron's third different crew chief in four years, and he just got done with two years with Chad Knauss, who was Jimmy Johnson's former crew chief. So, um, and they got that one win together last year at, uh, Daytona. So, overall, Crow, what were your general impressions of the race weekend in Homestead? So, as I was saying before we started recording, I I remembered Homestead Miami being one of my least favorite tracks back when I was actively Mm -hmm. watching it before, but, uh, I I know you mentioned that they had changed the track up some, but, um, yeah, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I like any track that has like two real lines to it, especially one that just is right up against the wall. Mm-hmm. I really like I really like watching drivers take that high line with like you know, that little tiny pocket of air between their car and the wall, and still stay competitive. So that's always fun. Well, yeah, you know, Homestead's a track with multiple grooves. It's got definitely more than two lines. You could be down on the the line around the bottom of the track, up against the wall, the middle of the track. Yeah, you can pretty much go anywhere you want. Um, it, it's the best one. It's the best intermediate 1.5 mile track by a mile because it's the only one that doesn't. Uh, it's the outlier. All the other ones pretty much look the same. They all have a trioval, dog legs, and stuff like that. Um, but this one's completely different. Just two straightaways, very progressive banking, um, and it makes for some entertaining races. And the Xfinity race was very fun to watch, and then, you know, what happened at the end happened with uh, Mr. Noah Graxon <laughs> crashing into the back of David Starr with two laps to go, uh, and that has set off such a chain of uh, online social media drama that I've, I'm pretty sure everyone has forgotten that Myatt Snyder won the race. <laughs> um, I've heard more, more more about Noah Graxon in the last three days than... <laughs> than any other point in his career so far. Yeah, you do have to feel for him because he was just, he was dominating at that point. You know, you could say he should have been more careful or whatever, but really, he just had a car slide up in front of him. It's just just one of those things that happens in racing, and uh, it cost him a, a win that he 
probably would have gotten otherwise. And, but this is the third time in three races at Homestead, including the two last year, where some late accident robbed him of a win. Like, both last year ended in overtime when, when like, he was leading, and so he, and he lost his, sh- his shot to win. So, yeah, he's good at that track, but he just hasn't been able to seal the deal. And he's been showing himself to be kind of a sore loser these last few days. So I, I recommend people watch, uh, listen to the Dale Jr. download this week, where Dale Jr., who is Noah Gregson's owner, addresses that situation. He tweeted earlier uh, saying, you know... It, <laughs> If you're talking about me, then I'm doing my job, which is a debatable statement. Yeah, he, he definitely seems to buy into the idea that there's no bad publicity, but we'll see how well that plays out when it comes for him to do his next contract negotiation. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, he's in his third year with uh, in the Xfinity Series. I have, I have no idea where he's bound for if it comes to Cup. So, but... But it, so uh, okay. Other than that, what what, uh, what about the Sunday? What did you think of Sunday's race? It was a nice, enjoyable, competitive race. Um, like I said, I, I really like, you know I, I like the that high like drivers running on the high line, and uh, there's plenty of that. I wish the uh, you know lead would have been a little bit more competitive the la- during the last stage, but uh, everything everyone behind the lead was nice and competitive and good racing. Oh, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, William Byron, like, you know, dominated the end of the race. Like, he led 102 laps, but it didn't feel like he led 102 laps. So, uh, like, because it kind of, like, improves my thoughts on the race. Because there's, like, five guys um, who led at least at least 12 laps or more. So, uh, it, there was a lot of parity in the race. Um, specifically, guys like Chris Buescher, who uh, has... <laughs> he led... Um, 57 laps, um, which is a career best for him. Uh, he'd never led more than, like, 15. That last year was his career high for, in a race, 15 at Talladega. So, um, he eventually finished 19th, but he had a really good first two stages that was, so that made it very interesting to watch because Roush Fenway Racing just hasn't been performing um, like that for years now. Um, so, and I actually uh, did an interview with Chris Buescher today for a story that will run on French Stretch Thursday. So if you're listening to this, check out uh, the show notes, or you can click on that and read it. But yeah, okay. What, what other uh, uh, Sunday thoughts do you have, Crow? Um. Already tapped out. Yeah. Um, well, no, that, I mean, this was one of the better races with the, this high downforce package, the 550 horsepower package that they have for this race. Um, I know there was some people who were doing a lot of hand-wringing going to this race thinking it wasn't going to be that great, but whether um, it's teams getting used to the package or just the track being that great, it turned into the, a really, really entertaining, fun race. Um but now we go to Las Vegas this weekend, another mile and a half track, but it's a more traditional one. It's got some wide sweeping turns, but doesn't have progressive banking, so it'll be a, a different animal than Homestead. Alright, Daniel. So we are now in a week two of McDowell Watch. And... Dun dun. And surprisingly, uh, Michael McDowell continues 
to be one of the top drivers in NASCAR this season. Which is not a statement any sane or sober person would have said uh, back in February, like before the Daytona 500. <laughs> um, like when we, well, yeah, when we came up with McDowell watch, I don't, we, I don't think we were expecting to be saying yes. Uh, Michael McDowell is currently fourth in points through three races. <laughs> um, uh, I, yeah, I expected him to just kind of slowly, uh, you know, fall back in the standings or whatever after his Daytona 500 win. But no, 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 no. Instead, he wanted he earned his third consecutive top ten finish, um, which is something he's never done before. Uh, he'd never had two consecutive top ten finishes, but no, he went out and finished uh, sixth Sunday after starting sixth, and I don't believe he had any stage points. No, he did not finish in the top ten in either stage, but no, he is uh, currently fourth. In the standings behind uh, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Johnny Logano, McDowell is um, 33 points behind Hamlin. And it's really fascinating because uh, the first six people in the standings have not won, except for McDowell, have not won races. Yeah, it seems like the key to his skill is he just has the ability to recover well. So he always drops back. Like, I think at one point, maybe he was running, I think he was running 20th. I just remember him being running up around uh, Bubba Wallace for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then he just can work his way back up. Like, he has, he did it, the Roval. And then this past week at Miami. Well, part of that was, you know, the, the race ended at night. So it's possible it ended on a long run. So his car might have been set up for the nighttime and long runs. And that just benefited him where he could just kind of inch his way up until to, to, up until the, that top ten and get that sixth place finish because I'm like yeah I just remember seeing him you know running running around um, Kyle Busch Kurt Busch Ryan Newman and just, just being really surprised that he was still up there um, or that he had gotten up there um, but like this Homestead is he's decent here before last year the only um, top ten finish he'd gotten on a non super speedway oval was Homestead so he he he's get these first three races have really benefited him because he is a decent super sp- speedway racer. He won that, so because he he won, he got to start. You know, he got to start in the front row at the, the Roval, but that didn't work out because of what happened when he went off sailing into turn one. But he's competent on road courses. Uh, the only NASCAR race he's ever won was Road America in the Xfinity Series, so he could use those the skills and he was able to persevere and get up towards the front, and then he started sixth in Homestead. And that's benefiting him. And guess what? He's going to start in... He starts fifth Sunday in Las Vegas. Um, so he he's just piling up these things that are just helping him immensely race to race uh, as, as we get deeper into the season. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk more about qualifying later, but he, it seems to be kind of a perfect storm of just him hitting his stride as a driver, you know, later than most. And the team kind of hitting their stride a little bit, but also he's just really benefiting from some of these new rules that NASCAR has put has put in place due to COVID. Uh, well, yeah, uh, a lot of the talk that's been going on, like, in press conferences and stuff this week, including one with McDowell on, was it yesterday? Yesterday, because of the next gen car coming, 
and other factors, NASCAR instituted like a, a, a parts development freeze on teams on certain certain parts. I, I don't know which parts and that includes, but teams can't like come up with new designs for certain parts. They have to keep them in place. Because of that, a team like Front Row Motorsports is able to take the designs that they have and, you know, refine those and get the most out of what they have. That That's playing at least a little bit into what Front Row Motorsports has probably been able to do these, these first few races. I don't think it's entirely it. I think some of it's just circumstance. And McDowell being, he is a veteran. He's been around for a while. So he's got some tricks up his sleeve. But yeah, I think things are just coming up Michael McDowell through three races this season. <laughs> you know, now that we're talking about it, you know, I am a little bit excited because I think this could mean that it, you know, it probably won't be McDowell, but I think the likelihood of us having, you know, someone that's not from a major team, you know, win the championship this year is a lot higher than it would be otherwise. I, I mean, w- with all the, the, the weird tracks, with all, with all the, the road courses, you get Bristol dirt there, there's the likelihood that yeah you you you'll get maybe one other driver in the playoffs who you weren't thinking was going to be in the playoffs, but then they have, they have to be able to put together a run and go from round one, round two, round three, and get to Homestead, and that's going to be really really hard. Could, could McDowell make it to the round of twelve? Maybe if Taldega is you know in that first or second round, I can't remember. He he could you know, go out and surprise people because, like, he he is good on super speedways. But, we're, like, once we get to, like, deeper in the season to, like, my, my, my benchmark is always Coca-Cola 600. That, that's that's the, the race that we'll, we know who's who, who's got what, and who's going to be dangerous. Right now, that, how many left? That's race 15. That's the 15th race at the, the end of May. We just finished race three. So we got 12 races, um, including Short Tracks, Martinsville, Richmond, Bristol Dirt, Talladega, Darlington, Kansas, Dover. So you got a very good mixture of stuff right there, which I think will shake loose a lot of who the competitors are going to be. But yeah, we we could see some really weird stuff, especially with Bristol Dirt. We just don't know what that's going to turn into. So, coming back to NASCAR this year, I have no clue what's going on with qualifying. I know that it has to do with <laughs> with how how drivers finish in like the previous races, and <laughs> it has something to do with different point systems. Yeah. Um, and I know that it keeps putting Michael McDowell up front since he won the Daytona 500. So can you tell me what is going on with qualifying? <laughs> How are they determining the starting order for the drivers now in NASCAR thanks to COVID? Okay. So, yeah, thanks, thanks to COVID, last year um, they just did away with qualifying, except for basically the Coke 600. That was the only one they did qualifying for. Um, and after, 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 I think, the first few races that they came back, if I remember right... They were just doing, like, a field inversion type thing um, each week. For That was just for the first few races. But then they instituted uh, a formula um, that they use each week to deter- determine who gets to pull and starting lineup and all that, and which has seen Michael McDowell start in the top ten in the last, three ra- the last two races. The, met- the metric that they have is broken up into four parts. Like you said, 
One of those is where they finished in the previous race. That makes up 25%. Another 25% is car owners finishing position. Is that a single car or for all the cars that that owner has? That I think it's like how much you earned in owner points per race, maybe? I don't know. I really don't know. I'm just reading this off of NASCAR.com's and it's a car owner's finishing position from the previous race. That's 25%. And then 35% is team owner points ranking, like where they you, they are that week. And then 15% is fastest lap from the previous race. So pretty much all, all of these are performance-based. They just put them into a blender, and that's what we get. And you'll, you'll see um, in some races you might hear about, you know, a driver being told, just go out and put down the fastest lap you can something like that and that's them trying to contribute to where they're going to finish or where they're going to start the previous week and like but they're not using that you know every week because like Daytona 500 there are a handful of races where there's going to be qualifying Coke 600 um I believe the Southern 500 I don't know um and all, all the new new races uh, all the new tracks like um Coda Road America Nashville, stuff like that. So we will we will get to see normal qualifying throughout the year, um, but when when we don't, we got this math equation. And uh, Bob Pogres, Bob Pogres, my friend over at Fox Sports, he every week he uh, takes it upon himself to do the math himself and post what he believe what he thinks is going to be the starting grid, and then the. They actually announce uh, the starting grids each Wednesday. And, um, like, for the top ten for this weekend at um, Las Vegas, Kevin Harvick's on the pole. Uh, William Byron, who won at Homestead, is second. Uh, Kyle Larson is third. Martin Truex Jr. is fourth. Michael McDowell is fifth. Denny Hillen is sixth. Kurt Busch, seventh. Chase Elliott, eighth. Alex Bowman, ninth. And Brad Keselowski is tenth. I'm just disappointed that they uh, they didn't factor in like how much social media drama you could turn up during the week. Just like five percent. <laughs> so like, oh wow, Noah Graxon, you you uh, you got a lot of likes and retweets. All right, here you go. We'll we'll give you a little bump. Um, that would be, <laughs> yeah, that that would be hilarious. Oh, wow. So, did you have any misadventures in NASCAR Twitter this week, Crow? No, um, didn't really uh, follow any drama other than the Noah Gregson um, controversy, which it took me a while to kind of figure it out because he was very much like vague posting his gripes and grievances. <laughs> did you say vague posting? Yeah, he just like post. Um, I think it, the one, first one I saw was just like. It's like my tw- my tire corded in the first stage. Oh my god! That, it's like so. Like he wasn't uh, even responding to anyone. He just posted my tire corded in the first stage. By the way, it's like, <laughs> well, that, that at that point someone should have taken away his phone, like because that contributed nothing, helped no one, and just deflected. It it just it's it it got re- it was yeah. pretty pretty petty by then. Um, yeah. But now well, he, the, the team that. That he wrecked with, I believe, they issued a kind of a uh, trollish statement on their own too. Yeah, 
They didn't help yeah. things. Indian Motorsports, Team Owner Carl, Carl on, yeah, I don't have it in front of me. Um, but yeah, he was not happy. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah we could, well, no, 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 Gregson, I don't think he at the time is just completely aware of that team's history. Uh, they've been around a lot, long time. David Starr, I didn't know this until this week. He has four truck series wins. I didn't know that. Uh, and I've actually done a story on David Starr before. So I, I, I learned a little bit. And I, but I, I'm guessing that uh, Noah did not know uh, how long David Starr's been around and what he has accomplished. I mean, he, he's a journeyman driver at this point for a team like NBM, which is a very small, very, very underfunded team. But he had that... that um, Waterburger car in in twelfth when the accident happened. He was on the lead lap with two laps to go, um, yeah. so which just was very surprising. I don't know where he finished, but the fact that he was twelfth at that point is very impressive for that team. Just happy to see that there's a Waterburger car. <laughs> oh, yeah, he, I mean, yeah, David Starr is from Texas, um, which is where you know Waterburger is based out of. So yeah, oh, he's yeah. Been, he's been he's been riding. Riding with Waterburger on his car off and on for the last um, few years. Um, yeah. Now that they're finally expanding out of Texas, I believe the they're they're opening a location somewhere around Springfield or Casey, and I may have to make a road trip across state to get Waterburger. Yeah, I was born in Texas. What you were? We have discussed this. I was born right across the state line in Texarkana. I don't remember this at all. This is no. This is new to me. This is news to me. I did not know that. I did not know you were a fellow Texan. Well, it, it, what a burger is my birthright, or as tex- <laughs> us Texans call it, what water burger? Oh yeah, that's what I called it. Yeah, water burger. Absolutely, that's what I called it. Yeah, that's the birthright. Calling it water burger. <laughs> Yeah, there's a Whataburger here in Springdale, but I, I, I never eat there. I, I had I had Whataburger a lot when I was living in Fort, Fort Worth a few years ago, but I really haven't had it since then. <laughs> All right. Um, I think that's going to do it uh, for this week's episode of Driving the Hammer with Dan McFadden. You can follow me at, uh, on Twitter, at Dan McFadden, all one word. If You should know how to spell my last name by now if you're subscribed to this podcast. And also follow my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Fadden. I'm take I took a break from doing any videos uh, this week because I, quite frankly, have a lot of videos up after, you know, just a month or so. Um, so I'm going to let that breathe. But please subscribe and like that and uh, share it with your friends and loved ones. Crow, where, where can they find you? You can find me at, at DTHCrow on Twitter. Um, where I will be following Whataburger now. <laughs> oh, you hear that, Whataburger? So. Oh! Um, are you aware of the whole Camping World thing with Marcus L- Lemonis going on this week? Um, like, as in the guy from The Prophet? Yeah. I uh, know. Oh, okay. I guess we're not ending the episode right now. Uh, Marcus Lemonis is the CEO of Camping World, which sponsors the truck series. And uh, Monday, Monday night, um, Lamonis like revealed that he was going to be sponsoring the number. He's Grant Anfinger, who typically races for GMS Racing. 
not not GMS, Thorsport would be it in the number six truck because he's part time this year because he's splitting time in his usual truck with Christian X. So he, for the, at least this race, he was going to be driving the number six truck for another team. And Marcus Lemonis revealed Monday night that he would be sp- sponsoring Grant Enfinger in that truck. And then that set off a firestorm where Lamonis basically offered to sponsor every unsponsored truck in the field. He would give each team $15,000 to put their Camping World wrap on the truck. And then if they finish in the top 10, they get a more money. And if they finish the top 5, that, that, that prize keeps going up, including if you win. Now there's... Like, more than, like, a half dozen trucks that are going to be sponsored by Camping World in Friday Night's Race. That's amazing. It's good. I was was actually just watching The Prophet earlier when I was eating dinner, so. (laughs) Okay. But, yeah, no, so there's going to be, yeah, Friday Night's Race in Las Vegas is going to be very confusing with just how many different trucks there are. So that's what's been going on in the truck series this week. So yes, there, there's that. You missed that on NASCAR Twitter, apparently. Uh, yes, you, I completely missed that. But so, that is really cool. So you need to follow Marcus Lemonis. <laughs> I actually think I do on my other account. Your other account, okay. So, so yeah. Sorry for that so, false ending, everyone. Um, yes, now everyone go and watch The Prophet. It is actually a very good show. <laughs> 